Thank you, church. It's always a blessing when you start out with that kind of prayer. Amen. I don't know about you, but that's the refreshing I love. Renewed day by day. Amen. Well, we're here. <laughs> Amen. I'm just getting to my spot here. Um, before we go, I'd like us just to pray for a little bit. I'm not going to take too much time, but I just want to seek the face of the Father. and Whatever his will is today, I just want to let it happen. Jesus' name, Lord God, we come before you, Savior. We acknowledge you as Master, as Lord today, God that you would reign above all in our lives, in our homes, in our spirits, God. That you, Jesus, would continue to reveal yourself, Lord God, and let your spirit go in us, through us, Lord God. We love you. We thank you today, Lord God. Receive all glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, lately, in my studies, I've been in two particular areas, been reading I'm just about to finish the book of Ecclesiastes and also I've been in Hebrews a little bit kind of interesting I still don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews but um, it's a great book of faith amen and detailing that Jesus Christ is the ultimate object of faith and dealing with different areas different people different places different things that are could be reminders but yet Jesus is the ultimate faith the object of faith so in this particular portion of scripture I'd like to go to Hebrews chapter 3 I'm going to read verses 1 through 4 I'm going to jump over this uh, chapter a little bit as I was reading you know I have a real bad problem at work uh, if I don't have nothing to do, sometimes I just dig into this. <laughs> and uh, I know I'm supposed to be doing my job, but I think I'd rather talk to Jesus instead. <laughs> you know, customers could get upset, and it's understandable. But uh, with God's help, we get through it. Amen. Hebrews chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. It says, Wherefore, holy brethren partakers of the heavenly calling consider the apostle and high priest of our profession Christ Jesus who was faithful to him that appointed him as also Moses was faithful in all his house for this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house for every house is builded by some man but he that built all things is God. There's something there in verse 3 that stuck out to me. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. That part stuck out to me understand that the the Greek context here house does not mean a house that is structured with wood and you've got to put sheetrock on it and make sure you get the windows cut out that word is actually signifying the nation of Israel a people a group that he called that he had built. And in this particular chapter, the author is referencing Moses because he was faithful to his house. He was faithful to his people. And what struck me as I was reading this is because if you know the story of Moses, if you know the story of the children of Israel, and even if you just continue reading this chapter, you'll understand that there are multiple times that... Uh, Jesus wasn't too particularly happy. You continue to read, he said, and when the word was spoken, their hearts hardened. And so it stuck out to me because Moses was faithful to a house that didn't want to be faithful. 
he was faithful to a house that ultimately, to some degree, developed what I would call unbelief. I stopped believing. I stopped trusting. Somewhere along the lines, whether it be from experiences in my past that have now come back to my memory, or it was something that someone said, and instead of putting my faith and trust in Jesus, I was leaning on the house. It stuck to me. I know he's talking about Jesus here, but it was just the house. I think that as we go further along in our walks with God, it becomes harder to not only stay focused, but somewhere we lose a sense of intimacy with God. We lose a sense of intimacy with the man who built the house. And it becomes, we allow it to make us ungrateful. That I have a place of worship. In this chapter, they refer to as a place of rest. As a place of rest. The children of Israel were looking for a place of rest. It was promised to them. That was what the will and plan of God was. Was to get you to a place of rest. However, if I don't let him lead the house, ultimately my will becomes over his. For every house is builded by some man. But he that built all things is God. It is God. If I can jump down, I want to read verses 12 through 19. Verse 12 says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you, any of you, an evil heart of unbelief. In departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily. While it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened. Through the deceitfulness of sin. Verse 14. For we are made partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence. Steadfast. Unto the end. While it is said today. If ye will hear his voice. Again the author is. Referencing Psalms 95 here. While it is said today, if ye hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when ye, for some when they had heard, did provoke. How be it not all that came out of Egypt by Moses? But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned? Whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? He's referencing the house there, the nation. And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. And here's this last verse that scares me. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Because of unbelief. And as I finish that, that word unbelief, it stuck to me. It stood out to me. It grabbed my attention. And it made me wonder, why on earth would I ever lose my belief? Where along the lines have I allowed myself to drift that far off? To where now my belief is no longer God, but it's in how the house handles itself. What everybody in the house is doing. How they're acting. The way they're dressing. 
the way wherever they're going. How have I allowed that to determine my belief? I've taken my focus off of the one who built the house. And now I'm more worried about who's in the house. Now, I don't want you to get confused with what I'm saying here today. I feel the Lord is checking our hearts today because there have been times when I have been too good to do something that I didn't want to do for somebody else. I've allowed myself to be put in a position that is ultimately above the will of God. And because I allow myself to do that, I don't ever get to feel that rest. I was robbed of rest because I've decided that, well, that's not the kind of rest I want. And who the author is referencing here is the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, who was going through the wilderness with Moses, and yet they saw signs and miracles. Manna did come. There was a pillar of cloud. There was light. They were led. But yet somehow, well, I've been waiting too long. This rest, this promised land that you're talking about, Moses, I don't see it yet. You're doing all this preaching. You're doing all this teaching. But I don't see nothing yet. And because the evidence is not there, I do not believe. And I sat there talking to God. And I'm saying, Lord, why is it that in the human nature that we always have to make it difficult? Why is it that my feelings and emotions will take over your spirit? Why? I'd rather get mad, I'd rather get angry than pray about it. I'd rather talk about it than pray about it. I'd rather allow my flesh to rise up and put me in a place where now I've become a stumbling block for another person to also become an unbeliever. They could not enter in because of unbelief. I want to give you the definition of unbelief. If you were to look that up, the definition of unbelief is lack of religious belief, or two, this is my favorite one, absence of faith. I let it leave me. Better yet, this is, how I, this is how I liked it. I left it. I left faith. Because I prayed countless nights, and guess what? Nothing ever happened. I've been waiting for this door to open. It hasn't opened yet. I've been praying for this family member. I've been praying for this job. I've been praying for all these to take place in my life, and it hasn't happened yet. I left faith. That's why it became absent. Because instead of walking through the wilderness and appreciating what the Lord is doing, I'd rather just keep, man, we got a long way. How far is this thing? Are we almost done? And that's where rest, I like this because this could be part of what we would call a new covenant, right? From Old Testament to New Testament, we've been learning this in youth class, but I don't see no young people here. We've learned that there was a covenant that was different. Something changed, something different. Jeremiah told us in his book, I will make a new covenant with him. Where? On the inward part. 
on the inward. Write it on their hearts. This is the new covenant that I will make with him. And of course, we understand why the children of Israel or the house did not hold their end of the bargain. Instead of doing it God's way, well, we'll find out another way. And then we wonder why we don't believe. Because we want to leave the way that we know works. But it just takes a little bit more time. I hate using that word. We always say in anger management, time does not heal everything. It does not. I'm sorry. I'd be lying up. I would be lying to you today right now if I told you I believe that because I don't. Time gives you the opportunity to become healed. It gives you the opportunity to take steps of faith. Steps towards believing. Because for some reason in our state of unbelief, I don't know what it is about flesh. And if you're anything like me, you've thought this, but I just don't want to hear from God right now. You know what I don't want to hear? Tell me to pray about it. No, you know what my flesh wants to tell you? And you think I'm not praying? You think I'm not in my word? Oh, man, my flesh is, huh. man. That's how I know you're in a place of unbelief. Why? You haven't got the rest yet. The rest hasn't hit you yet. You, you, you left it. You left that promise. And because the promise, you thought it left you. In reality, you left it. So because it's absent, sometimes I feel like I just can't get it no more. And I came to tell you today that rest you're searching is found in the Holy Ghost. Scripture tells you that when he fills you with his spirit, it is the refreshing that we need. We see it all over the book of Acts. It started with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that not only gave us power, but it gave us rest. He's alive. He's moving. He's healing. He's touching. He's opening doors. I'm praying for people. I'm reading my word. Things are changed. Rest. Oh. Some of us, I believe, are in a season of unbelief. Because I haven't rested. I haven't felt it. Hasn't hit me yet. And I try and I try and I try. And all the opportunities they give us to pray. And you don't pray. All the times they give you the opportunity to come and worship in the altar. You don't want to take it. All the times that someone has asked, let me pray for you. And you don't want to receive it. Oh man, unbelief and when you're tired can be a deadly mix. You have allowed yourself to become spiritually dead. I used to hear this term all the time. I, I can't stand dead church. I can't stand it. The church just feels so dead. Just, man, I go in there, it's so boring, and I don't feel nothing. Nothing comes over me, and, I, and I'm not going to force it, right? I, I'm not going to go chase after it. They always call it dead church. I remember I was in prayer one time, and that's what I talked to God about. I said, God, I don't want to be a part of a dead church. He said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. There's no such thing as dead church. There's only such thing as dead saints. You've allowed yourself to become disconnected, and you killed yourself because of whatever I want to be careful with this word. But because whatever issue I have with this brother or issue I have with this sister or issue that I have with this group, 
I'm going to prove to them that what you're saying doesn't work. So why continue to walk in the wilderness with you if I haven't felt nothing? I've never been anywhere. I'm still here. I talked about it with one of the brothers once. He doesn't attend here, but I was talking about it with one of the brothers. And I can sense unrest. I can sense anger. I can sense frustration because it just hasn't been going away. And it, as in this conversation, I'm trying to tread carefully because anything you say to somebody like that, oh, it can start more than you wanted. And as I was trying to navigate through this conversation and exercise wisdom, I felt the Lord prompt me to ask him this question. Have you looked down at your shoes? The children of Israel walked through that wilderness for 40 years and their shoes still look brand new. Have you taken your eyes off what he's doing for you currently and just focus on where you're not? Have you only put your focus on the house and not the builder. Oh. This next, as you go into the next chapter, obviously we understand that we do not want to become an example of unbelief. We don't not want, that doesn't make sense, we do not want to become the reason why in this season, right, in this season, I just can't find myself getting out of it. We learned it this way. There are some going in the trial, there's some in the middle of the trial, and there's some coming out. No matter what stage you're in, do not let unbelief attach to you. Do not let it attach to you. It can come from any which way. It can come from any which word. It can come from any which person. But do not let it attach to you. I want to finish with this. As we continue on this journey, I was reading in Ecclesiastes, and I love it because it's going to test you. There's a common thing in the book of Ecclesiastes. There's this verse that people love, and it's everything is meaningless. It's meaningless. So if I'm not careful, I take that and think that that's a license to go and do what I want, and God's going to, he'll make it right at the end. This is what I want to finish with. He wasn't saying that everything is meaningless, so just do what you want. He was saying everything is meaningless because it only counts when it counts to God. And I'm urging you to keep your eyes on the builder. Keep your focus on the builder. Let him continue to sculpt you and mold you and take you to that rest. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God. We thank you today, Lord. We thank you for your spirit today, God. We thank you for your word, Father. I pray let rest come upon your people, Father. Let strength, Jesus, let the reassurance of the Master fall upon your people, Jesus. We acknowledge you, Father. We look to you, Jesus. We depend on you, Lord, and you alone. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Mace. Years ago, my wife and I made a trip to the country of Nicaragua. And there were various things that we would participate there and uh, had ministry in several congregations many miles apart. But after coming back from the trip, we came to the realization that our purpose there was not in the visiting of those churches, congregations around the country. 
It was the time spent in the car with the missionary. It was the three-hour journey here, the four-hour journey there, and all the dialogue and the communication that took place between us and him. So we resolved that God would go to the extent to send us that far for that length of time for an individual. When I, uh, when I left the house tonight, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to probably go get something to eat. And then I'll see you at church. <laughs> and the Lord immediately checked me. He said, don't eat. Just go to the church. Like, no foe? Spring roll or two? Go to the church and pray. Yes, boss. So I came. And, the, and as I began to pray, the Lord immediately began to lead me in Scripture. So, if this is for one individual here tonight, which I doubt, but that would be enough. It would be enough. Because of the direction, I've been down this path before, and I thought, really? You want to do that again? Okay. You going to be able to follow with me, Brother Timothy? Proverbs 18 and 22 Whoso findeth a, I misquoted it before I read it. I said, whoso findeth a good wife, findeth a good thing. It doesn't say that. It says, whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth Favor of the Lord almost indicates that he's hiding her from you. You got to search her out. You got to look carefully and you got to find. But maybe that's not really the indication at all. But he that finds a wife. Now, now I've been under the understanding from you know, at times that, you know, I should be waiting for him to send me a wife. But the scripture said, whoso findeth a wife finds a good thing. Now, don't forget this. And obtaineth favor of the Lord. I ran off without my uh, iPad, so I'm going to struggle with my phone here. So... I was in a conversation with a gentleman on the phone one day, who I've known for years, and he said, I said to him, so are you happy? You know, are things going well for you? He said, yeah, you know, once you find the right wife. Now, I knew his first wife. See, the scripture said he that finds a wife. And somewhere he'd gotten the idea because of his own experiences that he had to find the right one like he had already found the wrong one. And over time, they threw in the towel. And then through his own experience, he said, she was the wrong one. You got no Bible for that. You got no scripture for that. You got no foundation for that. Because if you find a wife, it's a good thing. And you obtain favor of the Lord. 
Okay. Boy, this is going to be hard. Here we go. No, I, I've made it in notes. It's okay. <clears throat> so anyway, when I got off of that phone call, I thought about that. And I'm thinking, wow, you've really deceived yourself. You've heard me share whether she's the one that fell out of heaven, like mine, or one that you found and you committed to and you loved her. More than 50% of all marriages dissolve in divorce. Whether she was that right one or she was the wrong one. Not because of the one that she was, but how it was handled. All right? Now listen. Ephesians 5 and 25. Husbands. Love your wife, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Gave, gave self, gave up selfishness. There are some keys in the Word of God to building a relationship with a spouse. That not only help us through time, but bring places of fulfillment that comes no other way. But the primary source is commitment. And true love, not a feeling, it's true commitment. Now, I, I found it interesting. You, let me tell you how I got here. I knelt here and began to pray. There was nobody else in the building yet. <laughs> I'm not sure I've prayed these words before. God, help me to love my wife with every fiber of my being. Help me to love her with every word that comes out of my mouth. Help me to love her with my thoughts. Help me to love her with everything because I know this is the key. It's not altogether how she responds to that. But it's my part. It's the biblical part because the Lord said, Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, for the church. How many believes that marriage is a 50-50 arrangement? Trick question. Yeah, no. It's a hundred. It's a hundred. You have to give a hundred, and oftentimes you have to give up self. Christ gave himself for the church, and he said, love your wife like this. I don't know that we can, I, I don't know that we have a natural understanding of that in our youth. I don't, think, I don't think so. I don't think we have a natural understanding of that in our youth. And we have a world system that we are a part of that fights against it every moment it can. Yeah. Never mind the spiritual realm, the demonic realm. Yeah. And so it takes effort and pursuit. I want to make that effort and pursuit with the help of God. I don't know that we are naturally equipped. We are born into a world that is very selfish, very self-centered. I remember my younger sister reading magazines called Self. 
And I'm thinking, how can you expect anything right to come out of that? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, a man, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. This is man's business. He is a man moved with fear and built an ark to the saving of his house. He didn't wait to see his neighbor do it. He didn't wait to see if the hockey team was going to do it or the He moved with fear and we know the book there was nobody alongside him. He knew what was coming down the road. He knew the judgment that had been pronounced, just like we do today in our hour. And he moved with fear and through his actions prepared something for mom and the kids. It's a foreign idea to some degree in the world that we live in today. Again, we're living in a selfish society. And where people are demanding their rights. And in a personal experience, contending for their view. Contending for their way. Contend, contend. Where do we get the word contentious from? And this, these are the scenarios that end up in... Broken relationships. Uh, Job chapter 1, verse 5. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sacrificed them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all, talking about his children. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Here is a man that rose up early in the morning and made sacrifice unto God for the well-being of his home. I have one more verse. 1 John 3.16. Anybody know John 3.16? What's John 3.16? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Do you know what 1 John 3.16 is? Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life. So we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Again, hereby we under, here's how we understand the love of God. This isn't the love of man. This isn't uh, filial love. This isn't brotherhood love. This is agape love. Giving up of self. Laying down of life. So how do we get God's operating love in our life? Fruit of the Spirit. His Spirit. That leads us to a place of action and a willingness to lay down our life. I'm going back to the marriage thing. I'm going back to sealing the deal. I'm going back to making it last. Getting through the rough times. 
There ain't nothing magical about it. <laughs> it's commitment. I'm thankful we celebrate 40 years this year. I'm, th I'm thankful to God and His principles. Okay? Now, I think the Lord sent her my way. I think the Lord sent her my way. I do. But if he hadn't, and I still went to that youth convention and saw her and talked with her the way we did, went to coffee and spilt it across the table. And then I went back the next week. I couldn't afford long distance phone calls. I wrote some letters. There was no texting, email, no, wasn't there. Had to drive 150 miles. She lived in Piala. And through the years, I've had to recommit, recommit, recommit. Oh, you, it doesn't just go, you know, from the first time, come on. Reality is a new commitment, a recommitment, a recommitment, a recommitment, a recommitment. I am just so surprised that I am re even revisiting this again. But this is for everybody. Girls, if you're looking, observe a few things. Does he commit to going to work every day? Does he commit to paying his car insurance? Does he take out the garbage? No, that's a side note. If there's no evidences of commitment in his natural life, yeah. move on. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, if commitment is the key yeah. and you don't see nothing, yeah. now let's talk to the boy. <laughs> you hold a key. First step, first action, commit, love. The divine design of a woman is first responsive to the action that you have taken, committed to the word of God and its commands to us. Anyway. I think I've said enough. The Lord is good. You know, he knows. He knows what we need to hear. He knows when we need to hear. He knows how to help us. Amen. Amen. Elder Flowers. Amen. Brother and Sister Escobar, a little birdie told me that this was your anniversary today. Is that correct? 48 years, is that correct? <laughs> Amen. Happy anniversary. My wife and I were talking yesterday about... <sighs> I don't know how I would really phrase it other than this. Why don't young people want to get married anymore? Uh, that's, there's a lot more to it than that, but that's the, that, that's the gist of it. And want to is probably not even the accurate term there. But 
just as much as, as Bishop has mentioned these things, there is an assault on the godly design of a family. It's been going on for a very long time, pretty much as long as there's been families, but it has just escalated and escalated and more and more and more to the point where we have a generation of people that don't even know what a functional family looks like. I say that with a very heavy heart. We have a generation that does not know what a functional family looks like. It is very rare to get married, have children, and stay together. Very rare. It is not the norm anymore. I say that with a very heavy heart because we know the way God designed Men and women, husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, we know the way God designed that. I was thinking as Bishop was talking, my parents didn't raise me to be, to plan to be a good husband or a good father. They instructed me on how to become a good man. There was two things I knew from the time I was little until I got into teenage years and started to get to thinking about marriage years, which for me, I was 19 when I was married. So that's thinking about marriage, marriage years. There was two things I knew that I was going to do with my life forever. Go to church and go to work. I'm serious as a heart attack right now. Those are the two things that I knew I was going to do forever. Go to church and go to work. If I got married, okay. If I had kids, okay. If I got to play basketball with my friends sometimes, okay. But I knew I was going to go to church. That was not an option. And I knew I was going to go to work. That was not an option. I say them in that order because you, get, you go to church enough and you start to realize what a man is supposed to be in all facets. It's not a man that just goes to the church and prays and fasts 24 hours a day and just hopes God gives him some handouts along the way. Ah, hear me. That's, that, that'll get you through a day or a week sometimes or a heavy season of fasting sometimes, but I don't know yet one who I would consider man of God that I've ever seen, heard of, met, talked to, received from, listened to, shook hands with, never met one that said, we don't work around here. We just pray. We just fast. We just preach. Let God take care of the rest. Mm -mm. Women don't know what that looks like anymore. I said that before I even thought about it, so take that up with the Lord. But I'll repeat it. Women don't know what that looks like anymore. A man that will serve God and be committed to earning a livelihood. You're thinking, you think I'm talking about 30 and under. No, not, not exclusively. Because the 30 and under saw it somewhere. 
learned it somewhere, watched it somewhere, heard it somewhere. Now, the, the, the women that are 30 and under who are supposed to be found and supposed to be looking for those things, like Bishop said, they don't know what that looks like anymore. It's not too far off from the word that God told Samuel about finding David. Man looks on the outward appearance, but I look on the inward. Nope. I just so happened to have the most beautiful wife. Thank the Lord for that. But it was everything else about her that let me know this is the one. Mm. Man, I feel the Lord doing something right now. Search my heart, O oh God. Search my heart, O oh God. Try me and see if there be anything, God, that's not pleasing to you. Teach me, Lord. Train me in your ways. In the name of Jesus, let us be truly led by your Spirit, O oh God. Let us be truly led by your Spirit, O oh God. Raise up a generation, Lord God, of righteous young people. Raise up a generation, God, of faithful Young people, raise up a generation, Lord, that knows you, that calls upon you, that seeks your face, Lord Jesus. A generation that desires you first and foremost and the truth of your word to be exacted in their own lives. I pray it in the name of Jesus. Lord, you are the healer. You're the healer, O oh God, and not just of physical, but of emotional and of mental damage that we've been exposed to for generations. You're the healer of that, O oh God. You can take a broken life and mend it. You can take a broken relationship and mend it. You can take a broken husband, a broken wife, Lord, and mend them. Lord, we've seen it many times, your hand at work. Come on, let's just stand and pray and give yourself to what the Lord's doing right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, do your work in me. Let your word have its perfect work in me. In the name of Jesus, try me and see, Lord, if there be any wicked way. In the name of Jesus. We want to do your work, O oh God. We want to see your kingdom established in each heart and in each life. We want to see the word of God go forth. Jesus, we want to see your boundaries enlarged, O oh God. We want to see your territories enlarged, O oh God. The borders of the kingdom of God. We want to see them increase, O oh God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, give yourself to prayer right now. Jesus, we want to see your kingdom. Oh, we want to see the principles of your word. The truth of your word, O oh God. In the name of Jesus. I claim it right now, Father. I claim healing, Lord God. I claim healing of these lives, Lord Jesus. You're the repairer, Lord Jesus. You're the repairer, Lord Jesus. I claim a revival in the name of Jesus. A revival of biblical principle in the name of Jesus. I claim a revival of truth 
in your church, O oh God. In the name of Jesus. It's an outpouring of your Spirit, God. And it goes even further than filling someone with the gift of the Holy Ghost, Lord. It goes to the repairing of a relationship. It goes to the establishing of truth in a home. Lord, I believe it tonight. Lord, I believe it tonight. Let Your Word permeate our house. Let Your Word take control of our life. Let it be that, Lord, which marks us, I pray. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, if you've come from a broken home, the Lord is here to mend right now. Years of pain. Years of heartache. Years of exposure to sin and evil and wickedness. The Lord is here to mend it, to repair it right now. In the name of Jesus, let Your truth prevail, I pray, God. Let Your truth prevail, I pray. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I speak the word of truth right now. I speak the word of faith right now. The word of healing. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Why don't you let these prayers extend out of this room for a moment? Come on, there are so many that need the truth that is flowing in this room right now. There are so many that don't even know the voice of truth that we're hearing tonight. They've never seen it. They've never witnessed it. They've never felt it. They've never heard it. They don't know what it looks like. In the name of Jesus, touch the children, Lord God, that don't know what a proper home looks like. Oh, touch the young people, Lord God, uh, that were raised through abuse. Touch them, I pray, oh God. Uh, touch the man and the woman, Lord God, uh, that have lived through years of heartache and pain, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let it be your light that shines, O oh God. 
Let it be your light that shines, Lord Jesus. It shines into the darkness, O God. And we know the principle that darkness comprehends it not. Let the light of God so shine. Let the light of truth so shine. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, lead us, Lord, in paths of righteousness. Lead us, O God, into the man and woman that you would desire us to be. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I think it'd be good if you want to find someone to connect with and pray with them right now. Be sensitive to the Lord and let Him lead you to pray with someone. Minister to them. Let the Lord minister through you to a person, to a brother, to a sister. Nothing is in 